this is Jen Rubin, and this is Jen Rubin's Green Room. As we sit here, the government is still operating, thanks to Democrats, and Kevin McCarthy's uh, speakership may be coming to an end, um, as many of us predicted, the worst, the weakest speaker in the history of the United States. And Donald Trump is sitting in a New York courtroom, um, and at risk here is his livelihood, his buildings, his name on buildings. And you can understand why he has freaked out because there's nothing that Donald Trump cares about, not even being president, as much as he cares about having money because money gives him a a power base. Money confirms that he is not a loser. Money confirms that Fred Trump would have been proud of him. So Watching Donald Trump lose money is really good. It's really fun. But it's really not the whole shebang. Um, Of course, we have a democracy to worry about. And as much as it might delight us to see Trump poorer than he is, um, the real name of the game is making sure he doesn't become president again. And on this show, we have two guests who have done more to entertain, to delight us, but also, I think, to shake up people who may previously have thought we can just go along with with Donald Trump because of the judges, because of the tax cuts, what have you. And these guys in 2020 um, went out and um, helped, let's be clear, helped Joe Biden win. Um, they created ads, they cre- They went viral, they were everywhere on the media, and they came to be um, a household word uh, or words, the Lincoln Project, um, appropriately named for the founder of the Republican Party, who I'm sure must be spinning in his grave, turning over, spinning, whatever. Um, and these two guys, Rick uh, Wilson, and Reed Gallen um, are two of the great minds behind this. Um, they go where other people won't go. They use footage other people shy away from, and they have a great sense of humor. So they are the perfect guests to have to talk about the potential demise of Kevin McCarthy and maybe the demise of Donald Trump. Um, And uh, I think you'll find them as amusing as I do. Welcome to the program, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us here. Now, we are a family show, but we make exceptions. And so for Rick, we'll have to make an exception because Rick (sighs) doesn't always... I work blue, Jennifer. Everybody knows it. (laughs) Exactly. So what's the point of having Rick if Rick is going to be muted? So how about it, Rick? All right. (laughs) So you guys, of course, um, have gained fame or more fame. um, We like to think uh, of it as infamy. Yes, uh, as a Lincoln Project. What do you guys consider yourself now? Are you Republicans? Are you independents? Are you Democrats? No, are, what, what are you guys now? I'm an independent. Yeah, yeah I'm. Yeah, I'm technically an independent. But I, what I would say is this: is um, you know, we I, I I got invited to speak to a group of people last winter, and they said, "Oh, so you're a nonpartisan organization?" I said, "We are not." And they said, "You're a bipartisan organization." I said, "No, we are not." I said, "We are very much a partisan organization." Um, it's not the normal partisanship that we have thought about for you know 250 years or 150 years since the GOP launched. 
Um, but we are partisans on behalf of democracy. Um, and from our perspective and, and Rick jump in here, yeah. you know, or I should say from my perspective, the, the democracy spectrum really stretches from like AOC to Liz Cheney. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah. And- it, it is funny how we've redefined what we think is on our side or who's, who is a helpful player in the political. The, the strangeness of the bedfellows in this, in this thing is it, it never ceases to amaze me. Um, how many people from from how many diverse viewpoints end up saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to put aside our fights over you know marginal tax rates or how many parts per billion of carbon are going to be in the atmosphere?" Because if we don't stop this rising tide of statist authoritarianism, none of that matters. Exactly, and it drives the Trumpies crazy. They cannot understand why people would act out of principle in defense of democracy which of course makes all of us think that these people were nuts or liars all along and they just pulled a really good act pretending to have principles that uh, seem to jive with limited government and rule of law and all the rest of it. But it, it simply baffles them that we could act out of principle or for some greater good than partisan control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole that's the whole ball game. I mean, as, as you know, Jen, we're not... We're not necessarily dealing with just uh, a, a, a you know a political party, but an authoritarian movement of which the GOP is its political wing, right? It runs candidates for office, and you're right. They have you know look. When I was a kid growing up on Capitol Hill, right? My dad worked at, on the Hill. He worked at the NRCC, and you know it was small government, moral and muscular foreign policy, individual liberty, like all that stuff's out the window. Now it's, yeah, it's power, gone. money, self-aggrandizement. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, white Christian nationalism, which is the the, the (laughs) scariest of all. Yes. Um, So you guys um, kind of shook up um, the political universe when you started coming out with ads. What is it that Democrats don't get about politics and ads that you guys do? Well, look, I think uh, I think and and I'll speak for Reed uh, as well here, I think. Um, the kind of ads we make are not traditional political ads. They are not focus grouped over and over and over and over again until they resemble something like vanilla pudding. Right. They are not targeting MAGA voters. People ask us all the time, what are you going to do to persuade MAGA voters? And the answer is not a goddamn thing. Because they're not, not persuadable. Thing. They are not persuadable. Right. They cannot be moved. They are not Republicans. They are not conservatives. They're not. They're not... Reaganites, they're not Bushies, they're not anything that you would recognize from from the grand traditions of the old Republican Party. Whether you agreed with those things or not, this is the big fundamental like breaking point of why people don't often get what we do. We only target a very small fraction of Americans. We target what is called the Bannon line, named after Steve Bannon. Not a fan of us, but he said, "Nor we have Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, What they said, what Bannon said was, if these guys can take 3% off of Trump's vote, um, you know, he can't win. And our response was, you know, hold our beer. Um, We went after Trump in a in a way that was energetic and focused and and directed um, toward winning over that small group of voters. Now, in 2020 is between three and eight percent of all the voters, and it's increased in the post-Dob and post-January 6 environment. Right, and that that growth of the Bannon line 
is where we talk and where we fight and where we speak. They also don't understand that you can't fight Trump like a normal political candidate. Right. Because his audience does not respond to negative information about Trump. They don't care. They are immune to it. They are broken brained people who have been raised under the power lines and their brains are broken. They don't get it. They can't ever accept any negative information about Trump. And so when you try to focus group your way out of it, when you try to, to, to sort of sweet talk your way uh, around Trump and Trumpism, um, you end up with nothing. And that's why this primary is going to be full of ads. They're going to spend half a billion dollars on ads of why Ron DeSantis or Glenn Youngkin or whomever is better than Trump, and none of it will make a difference. Well, and, and I would also say that the equivalency piece here is important, which is when you to, to speak to the negative information that Rick mentioned, which is Trump's a liar. Yeah, but they're all liars. He's our liar, right? right. Trump's a crook. Right. right. Yeah, but they're all crooks. He's our crook, right? He's better at it. He's getting one over on them. And so all of the things that in a normal world would diminish someone only reinforce that, yeah, well, again, this is why I think, Jen, you see with all the you know, Biden crime family stuff, everybody must be as bad as Trump. Correct. They know he's right. the worst. Everybody, including the United States of America, mm -hmm. must be as equally bad as the Russians or the Saudis or anybody else. And what's right. amazing to me is that the mainstream media plays along because it's in their interest mm -hmm. to play this neutrality game. So rather than talking about the fact that Trump's brain is broken, you only have to listen to him for two seconds unedited to know that he's crackers, he's loopy, he's off crackers. the board's nuts. Um, but the press will only talk about Biden wears sneakers now. Biden right. is older by three years. Who cares? There's one guy who's, you know, beyond dementia. And there's the other guy who gives cogent speeches, gives a 20 minute interview to John Harwood, Harwood. talks mm -hmm. about democracy. So I almost feel like you guys are speaking the truth that the media isn't that you focus on the things that the media, for whatever reason, is a little skittish about saying, you come right out. Trump's crackers. Trump's enfeebled. Trump's, you know, uh, completely out of it. So I interviewed um, uh, an, uh, an author who wrote a book about QAnon. No, not about QAnon, about the Proud Boys, excuse me. And he was talking about how mm. when he interviewed um, Enrico Terrio, the former head of the Proud Boys, who's now about to be a federal inmate for more than a decade. And he Wee! said, Here, here's, how he, here's how he would write it. He said, I'm about to quote Enrico Terrio. This is a lie. Here's the quote. That was Enrico Terrio. He's a liar, right? And, and he said, it's clunky, but that's the only way to ensure the reader understands that I'm going mm -hmm. to print the lie, but that they're aware it's a lie. But, you know, Jen, as you know, in the journalism business, that's like, well, we, that's not how we write. That's not how we cover things. Uh, and as Stuart Stevens, one of our senior advisors at the Lincoln Project says, to your point, how do you cover both sides of a lie? You know, and and I think about like for the media's fascination, you know, with with this sham impeachment, but like they have Nancy Mace on every night who <laughs> says the same thing every night, which is, well, we don't have any evidence. That's why we have to have the inquiry so we can find the evidence. And then they challenge her and she either doubles down on that ridiculousness or just flat out lies like, just say you don't have anything, right. right? You don't, we don't have anything, but that's not where they pressure people and they can't help themselves to your point because you know what? 
Trump drives ratings. And what's the story, Jen, about you know Trump books? Trump books sell through the roof. Biden books don't sell at all. Yeah, because he just does the job. <laughs> right. Right. Because he's not insane and he's not drooling all over himself and he's not he's not burning things down every day. Um, but look, Jennifer, I mean, the greatest triumph of the conservative movement in the last 50 years um, is, is playing the refs in the yeah. press, yeah. is working the refs in the press and saying, if you disagree with us on anything, it's liberal bias. It's And look, I used to play that game with sure. reporters like a champ. I was a I was an Olympic level champion at that stuff. I know exactly what they're doing. But they are so skittish now and so yes. gun shy about the slightest accusation that they are not 100% straight up the middle that this country is both sidesing itself to death. Correct. Correct. And every day that every day that we're out there and you see things like well, Biden's infirmity, weakness, senility, dementia, doddering old man look and they and they then look at Trump when he's up on stage vigorous but completely incoherent. Like he is the worst, like wet-brained lunatic you've ever met, right. and they they treat those things in the same, with the same political weight, and I, I just find it outrageous and and nuts, but it is also you know one of the things we are we, we are experiencing in American political cultures we're stuck in a time loop, we are doomed to create 2016 over and over and over again. And no one can break out of this this you know umber version of Groundhog Day right. because they won't look. At the, I mean, look the media, and I'm not one of these guys that screams about the pay for play music, none of that stuff. Okay, hey, uh, look, the, journalism is never a perfect process. There's been a lot of tremendous journalism about the danger of Trump, the mendacity of Trump, the terribleness of Trump, but there is a certain reflexive conditioned response in political coverage of Trump, where I often think we don't hear what many of these very smart reporters know to be the truth. Correct. That Donald Correct. Trump will burn this damn country to the ground. And he, he is will do it with a laugh. Yeah. And that, yes, and that he, that Donald Trump has profound cognitive and mental disorders that make him a proximate danger to the future of the Republic. Right. You know, it's funny when they cover, you know, I don't know, uh, Biden wears tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. um, I think back, and this is the brilliance of the Lincoln Project, to that ad that you made after he kind of tottered down the ramp. At, um, <laughs> Trump is West not West well. Point. Yeah, Trump yeah at West well. Point, yeah. which shows that and this is the guy who needs, you know, two hands to drink a glass of mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. um, can you imagine him getting on a bicycle the way uh, no. Biden no. does? I don't even well, know if he knows how to ride a bicycle. No, um, Trump, Trump's, Trump's, Trump's rather padded back end spends, you know, more time in a golf cart. I, yes. I doubt Trump has been on a bicycle in the last 50 years. Um, and he's look, he's not well, he's not healthy. Joe Biden is an older guy. But here's the choice, you know, and this is why this is why I think all the all the physical arguments about their age. Should we have younger candidates? Let's set that aside for a minute. Sure. But yeah. these are the two men who are going to be in the contest. Exactly. And you know what you got? You got one who is old and doing a good job and represents the great center tradition of the Democratic Party in America. Right. You've got another who tried to overthrow the government, who is a 
raging criminal who is a a adjudicated rapist who is the single worst president in American history. And I'm sorry if Andrew Jackson has a problem with that. Donald Trump is the worst president in history, and we know it. There is not – you can't make a qualitative you know, assertion that in any way Trump is a better man or president than Biden. It just, exactly. it just doesn't hold up. And there is this kind of juvenile tendency, but I want a pony, but I want a young, (laughs) vigorous guy. There is no pony. We're in, you know, the real world, you know, unicorns and umbrellas and, you know, rainbows and all the rest of it. But let's get real people, Um, Mm -hmm. which is why I consider all of this polling to be obnoxious and noise and silliness and garbage. So let's say this is your horror experience. You are the ad man for Rick DeSantis, potentially the worst political candidate Republicans have seen in many cycles. And I include in that Jeb Bush and I include in that Scott Walker. Utterly unlikable, utterly nasty, um, unhelpful, uh, uncreative, unintelligent, whatever (laughs) uns you want. You are engaged to make an ad for him. How do you do an ad to improve him um, or at least knock down Trump in the primaries? What would you be doing in Rick DeSantis's ad campaign? Uh, you know, um, that's a high hill. <laughs> yeah, I mean... First of all, you pro- don't show Ron DeSantis. I was about to say, yeah, you'd probably right. show like puppies or something. Right. Yeah. Right? Like um, anything other than him. Uh you know, to your point, it's it's it goes back to the whole idea of it's a good question because it goes it brings everything together that you were talking about a minute ago, Jen, which is this is someone who the media had decided was the the, the, the golden child, who, the person who <laughs> yes. could beat Trump. And, you know, Rick and I were talking. Rick lives down the street from him, right, in Tallahassee. Right. And you know, we're like, this guy is the most overbought stock in politics. Like, Absolutely. We see this guy like, you know, maybe it's an unfair you know, it's a very niche talent that applies to almost nothing else. But, you know, last year, this time when he did his one debate against the 31 flavors candidate of Charlie Crist, he couldn't answer a question about whether or not he was going to run for president without short circuiting. It's all you needed to know about the guy. From then on, it was like, this guy doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. And the more he tries to have it, he's just transgressive and ugly. And so if I was going to make an ad for him, it'd be um, here's why I'm dropping out and right. you know, probably not going to finish my term as governor because I guarantee my wife doesn't want to live in Tallahassee for the next three years. So let me put it differently then. Let's say your Nikki Haley's ad guys, mm. um, mm-hmm. who is not, who is weak, who's too accommodating, who's um, lost her moral compass, but she's not evil. Um, what's the ad for her? And what's the attack ad against Trump that might actually gain some traction in the GOP? Primary? If I was Nikki Haley, I would, I would make, I would work the cheapest cheap shot angle in the world. I would say I'm one of the first Republican women to truly ever make it this far in a primary. 
And I'll tell you one thing. I'm doing it not just because I believe in limited government and blah, blah, blah. I, I'm doing it because the former president is a rapist. And I want every American woman to know I'll fight like hell for her and I'll fight like hell to beat the rapist Donald Trump. I know he'll do anything to beat a woman, but I won't ever stop. That's what I do because I'm insane. You know, yes. it's like, don't you know but, I'm loco essay? But it's but she has nothing else to give right. unless that's she goes I, crazy. But that's and, and that's the whole point, though, you know, Jen, about the way Rick was talking about fighting Trump is you can't going back to what we said, you can't. You can't fight him on a normal plane. Right. <laughs> you have to fight him in a way that, frankly, other than us, I'm not sure many people are, can or will, because you have to understand that the discount rate he gets for being a terrible person yes. is 50 years long. Yeah, He's oh, been this price it big. In. They price it in. Yeah, yeah this guy's sure. been a, this big a jerk forever. And so you have to do something that no one else will do. Just remember, remember, like, if, if it's the whole what it takes thing. It's being willing or able to do the thing the other person won't to win. Right. Remember in 2016, what did Donald Trump do at one of the debates? He lined up all the women that had accused Bill Clinton of, of, of bad behavior, right? Hillary Clinton's campaign would never have done that. It would not have occurred to them. The, the ad that Rick just put out is the kind of thing that would demonstrate that a Nikki Haley had what it took. That if you really want to call this guy out, you have to call him out for what he is and make him so overreact mm -hmm. that, right, the emperor's clothes, which are already gone, or even, you know, it's just held up with the Klieg lights. But they won't do that. And they all needed to do that from the beginning. Exactly. If they wanted to beat him collectively and then individually. And now they're in this pattern of, you know, trying to nitpick one another, which is, as you say, Rick, you know, this is 2016 all over again. Right. I also wonder if, the way to hit him, if you don't like the he's a rapist line, I like it, but I'm not sure it would work, is he's a loser. And he is going to be sitting in courtrooms, if not a jail cell, and he's yeah, going to make know, us losers. Does that work? The they don't believe it. They don't believe and it. And they don't Look, care. You can't. You, yeah. Even if even if they do. Right. It reads exactly on point. Even if they do believe that Trump is going to be in courtrooms, they don't think he's guilty. They think it's the deep state and the liberal conspiracy and George Soros and Black Lives Matter all conspiring against their God. And and because of that, he has this pad uh, inside the, the 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 MAGA media machine where they have conditioned their audience now for almost eight, nine years right. that every piece of negative information about Trump is a lie. Every piece of, 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 of negative um, legal news about Trump is, uh, is actually an argument that Joe Biden is the one who's corrupt. So they, they've made this alternative reality for, for, their, for their base. And it is strong, Jen. It is... It yeah. is and look, uh, God bless people who think they can pull focus group or write their way out of MAGA. You can't do it. Listen, I've been in this fight since 2015. In 2015 and early 2016, I had a major donor. Um, we did 32 focus groups in 16 cities about Trump voters. And by the end of, and we, we finished that, like as the primary was cratering, we were finishing the last focus groups. And my, the takeaway was very simple. Trump drew a group of people into the Republican Party right. who were less likely voters. They were lower propensity voters. As they entered the Republican pool, 
they made the party less conservative and more populist, more status, more authoritarian. And those people had an image of Donald Trump that was shaped by the fact that he was on television for 14 years in a very highly rated show called The Apprentice, where they saw a guy who played a character who was a decisive, smart executive, who was a powerful negotiator. They did not see the rapey criminal weirdo scumbag philanderer that Donald Trump really is, they saw an image and they bought it. They still buy it. They still believe it. And there's a structure of incentives in the Republican slash MAGA media machine to keep telling that lie over and over and over and over again, because it is enormously profitable. Well, yeah. and also just, you know, electorally speaking, this is the thing about the the today's GOP is the, the voters that Rick are, is describing, they are not Republicans. They are not conservatives. They are Trump voters. They are yes. MAGA voters. And so by some miracle, if right. Donald Trump wasn't the nominee, somewhere between 20 and 30 million of those people just stay home. Right. So it's not like, so it's saying, well, if it's not Trump, Nikki Haley has a better chance of beating Joe Biden. No, she doesn't. Right. Joe Biden wins 40 states because all these MAGA people stay home. And, the and here's the thing. And, and, the, and the establishment Republicans know that, yes. which is why I think ultimately they will get behind him because, Jen, I truly believe this. This is what they're telling themselves. We might win with him. We can't win without him. Correct. And they're not wrong. Uh, right. If you look at, for example, the Senate races in Georgia after Trump lost. Exactly. Sorry, MAGA mm -hmm. people. He lost in 2020 when he was essentially saying without explicitly saying don't bother going to the polls. It's all rigged. Um, they lost. Um, they lost with two candidates who normally you would think would never have a chance in Georgia. Particularly right. The Jewish guy and the black and the, guy. And the black guy. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's who you lose to when you lose Donald Trump. And, you know, I do wonder, though, help me play out the scenario. Mm -hmm. Let's say for sake of argument, Jack Smith goes into the courtroom in March and he gets a conviction. What changes, if anything, at that point? He is literally, he may be out, you know, nothing. loose, but he no, has nothing. been convicted. Nothing. You don't think He's nothing probably, he probably, He probably actually solidifies even more of the Republican base vote at that point. Yep. He probably brings even more of them home. And again, like Reed said, you know, the, the political class says, well, we, we, might, we, might, we might win with him, we can't win without him. There's also a multi-billion dollar media apparatus that if Trump goes down and disappears and if Trump loses support because of the legal consequences of his criminality, they go down too. Exactly. And so they're going to do everything they can to keep that audience for Trump as ginned up, hyped up and focused uh, on the pretend world of the deep state and and the dark forces going after Donald Trump. You don't and think Fox News is going to maintain their lock on the audience just with Mitch McConnell, really? Uh, you know, you know, it's so funny you bring that up. I mean, going back to, gosh, 2012, 2014, whenever, whenever Paul Ryan took over as a speaker, right? And you'd go into focus groups mm -hmm. and you talk about Nancy Pelosi and the Republicans, ah, Nancy Pelosi. And then you'd ask about Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and the tops of their heads would come off. There's right? nothing they hate more than a conservative establishment Republican. Yeah, Correct. nothing. You know, because they knew what Mitch knows. They hate him, and he hates them. Right? right? Like, I mean, 
I mean, here's a, just as an aside on McConnell. McConnell could have ended all of this Absolutely. in 2021, yeah. right? Because there were 17 that. Republican votes to make sure Donald Trump Absolutely. could ever run again. Absolutely. <laughs> right? And that's and, all it would have took. Okay. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the people that, that, you know, now need Trump are the ones who most who want him the least. I mean, Dave McCormick in Pennsylvania right. has to at least nod towards Trump, mm-hmm. right? But here's the thing, guys like us, there's McCormick's on camera saying Donald Trump's responsible for January 6th. Okay, right. so does he clear a primary? He might, but he might not. And those same people in Pennsylvania, again, they don't care about the party. They don't care about who wins. Because another Mitch McConnell acolyte to them is worse than Bob Correct. Casey. Correct. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, look, Mitch McConnell is in a weird way. He's failed and failed and failed after a lifetime of being able to, and Reed and I had a phone call one time with Harry Reed before he passed. Yeah. And he said, which was a unique experience to say, that yeah, least. to say the least, to say that we were a little surprised to be on that call was, was really quite putting it mildly, but, but he said, Mitch McConnell was the most effective Senate leader since LBJ, whether it was in the minority or out. And, and he's not wrong. McConnell is a very strong leader in the Senate or was, but he never could take the, he could, he could never take the responsibility as a leader to execute against Trump's absolute wave, wave of destruction in this country. Correct. McConnell reflexively wanted the judges and the tax cuts, but what came along with that was the authoritarianism and the insanity and the criminality and the conspiracies right. and the lunacy. And so, you know, look, his legacy for unfortunately for him will not be that he was the great patriot in the moment where it counted because he wasn't. He 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 Mitch McConnell could have gotten 17 votes after January 6th easily. Wouldn't he, that's not even breaking a sweat. He had every single Democratic vote. I guarantee you he could have done it. He chose not to. Right. Why? Because like a lot of Washington creatures, his number one advisor, his chief strategist, the most important guy in McConnell and a guy named Josh Holmes, who most people have never heard of. Josh said on the record, by the way, you know, if we can just keep Trump's uh, base with working class voters, you know, we'll have a permanent governing majority. They put politics ahead of the country. And you know what? I, I, I guess I would have gotten it in the pre-Trump era. But once you saw the fact that the, that he sent people to the Capitol to murder you, right? and by the way, that's what they were doing. If they had gone yes. to the Capitol and found Mitch McConnell, they would have torn him limb from limb and beaten him to and, death. And we now know that Romney texted McConnell saying, yep. yes, this is what's going to happen. Yes. And he said, eh, you know, eh. We'll no, you know, look, is you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a line from a friend of ours. Mitch McConnell woke up the majority leader on January 5th. You know, he woke up on January 6th, the minority leader running for his life. Yeah. And you know what's the funniest thing, because it is such a truism. When you introduce a word like morality or right and wrong, it's almost like you're speaking. I don't know, German to Mitch McConnell. He does not understand the concept. He is completely baffled because he is simply a creature of power and of prestige. So if you would say you have to do the right thing, 
he would like blink his eyes, you know, 50 but, times. But this and is steam would come well, out. Jim, but I this is the thing. I, I can't put my Senate candidates in. But this is the thing yeah. that he, he fundamentally missed, right? Going back to like Machiavelli. The power only matters if the system in which you hold power exists. Right? Yes. If the if the system in which you hold power no longer exists, you're you're done. That's right. You th you think that like you think that a second Trump presidency is going to leave Mitch McConnell around to be, you know, any sort of power broker? They're not. Exactly. So, no. let's skip over we talked about Trump a bit, we talked about the Senate. The worst speaker, not only in American history, in human history, whether or not there's you know right. a House of Representatives anywhere else, since the dawn of time, right, is the hapless my Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy wanted one thing in life to become speaker, and he cares not one whit how foolish he looks, how inept he is, how much danger he inflicts, inflicts on the country. He just wants the job. Um, yep. And it is both pathetic and horrifying. So what does he do now? Are there really people who are prepared to pick someone else? Is he just the conventional and um, preferred punching bag for people like Matt Gates? I find it hard to believe that there's someone else who a majority of these lunatics is going to vote for, but I might be wrong. Take us through the process. What do you think happens to him? Well, the witness protection program. Yes. Um, and he becomes a guy who orders, you know, pizza with ketchup on it. You know, this, this isn't our, our spaghetti with ketchup on it. He is, you are correct in saying that Kevin is the single worst speaker in American history. He has abdicated leadership when he hasn't, uh, when he hasn't, when he didn't have to, he abdicated it. And now he's put himself as a hostage to a group of people who are not rational actors, who are not, who are not trying to make a deal based on some principle. They are political nihilists and arsonists who truly desire to plunge America into chaos to benefit themselves and to benefit Donald Trump. And, and Kevin has been too weak to do it. And you can't look, it's like letting the vampire in the house. If you don't invite them in the house, they can't come in and take power over you. Well, he didn't just say, hey, you know, you're welcome to come in the house. He's like, put your feet up, make yourself comfortable, sleep with my wife. This is a guy who has a profound inability to exercise power in a, in a, in a place where he is surrounded by people who he knows because look, Kevin was a Kevin was a young gun. He was a yes. you know, well, backroom basic bitch Republican, and now he's a hostage. But you know, but I mean, I think Rick. I want to expand on something Rick said because remember, going. I, I remember Kevin when he was in California when he sure. was the minority leader in the uh, in the state legislature there, and he was always willing to make a deal, right, with the Democrats, mm -hmm. which is like, look, you're going to get your votes. Just give my guys something, and I'll get you your you know super majority or whatever. But remember that when he came to the Congress and he rose through the ranks, he didn't do so based on any particular talent other than raising money. Right. Yes. He could raise gobs of money out of the Orange County and LA real estate guys, right? Because he's from Bakersfield. And they were the kind of guy he likes. You know, he's the frat guy, hail fellow, well met. Hey, bud. Right. Up, and, guy? you know, good hair and all that. Yep. And so he becomes whip. But he's a terrible whip because nobody's afraid of him. Right. 
I mean, it, the whole idea is like you have to be someone, you know, Newt Gingrich was minority whip. People worried about what Newt was going to do to them, right? Because he was loco. Because he was loco. Yes. Um, then he becomes minor- majority leader, right? Or minority leader, excuse me, because, you know, there's nobody else around and he's still got, then, and money still has, for lack of a better way to put it, currency. And then he's like, okay, I want this thing and I'm going to get it and I'll do whatever it is I have to do. Because at the end of the day, Jan, like, who's his constituency? It's not Republicans in the U.S. House. It's not even the people of Bakersfield. It's the hyper-wealthy and corporate America. And so for me, I would say this, is that at some point sooner than later, you know, Kevin's going to get his portrait, right? Um, He'll, you know, he's just barely past the head of lettuce test. But if he, if he gets crushed, right, if, if he gets taken out, then maybe it's a, at least Stefanik, he'll retire He'll get on 18 corporate boards and, right. you know, get paid gobs of money. And, you know, he'll he'll go live the life that he really wanted to live, which is, you know, he was a somebody once upon a time and now he's fabulously wealthy and could do whatever he wants. You right. know, this he'll, is the John Boehner, you know, life is better after you get rid of the crazies, you know, with his Merlot and his tan and uh, being a lobbyist for the pot industry. John Boehner must be laughing his ass off. Yeah, look, I mean, Boehner plays Boehner plays eighteen holes a day in Florida, yeah. you know, and you know, and he's he's he he crushes butts on the course. He has a glass of Merlot at the turn, and you know, he has a he has a Caesar salad with shrimp after he's done, and he's like, yeah, this is a pretty good gig. I'm happy to do this. Yeah, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan wakes up every day and goes, "Yeah, I got to go to three Fox board meetings a year." Rupert's finally gone. I'm making a half a million dollars doing just that. I'm on a bunch of other boards. I'm 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 a I'm a polite and accepted gentry conservative, and, and and you know again that's his world now. God bless you know, but it 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 does always strike me that that as Reed was saying earlier, this is a world where if the rules are a certain way and you expect them to be that way and they change, because here's what's going to happen in a second Trump term: guys like Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller and and the rest of these crazies. They're not going to allow that old world to exist. Their goal is to burn it to the ground. Their goal is destruction. Their goal is to turn America into a much, much more authoritarian state where absolute loyalty to the, to, to the, the, the dear leader is the only requirement to exist in either society or business. They're going to lay in. I mean, I promise you. If Trump's elected again, he's going to go through a list of any Republican who serves on a corporate board anywhere and say, oh, you're serving on a corporate board with, you know, John Smith, who criticized me and called me a, a, a you know, call me, a, a, you know, a loser. Um, and every DeSant- every DeSantis donor, every Yunkin donor, anybody who's ever criticism, they're going to go after their corporate um their, their, their corporate roles, their, their, their success, their finances. Believe me, I can tell you I've lived it when these people in 2015 and 16, when I came out against Trump, it was methodical. They went, they called every single client I had, and I had a lot of clients. They called every single client and said, you either fire him or Trump's going to come out against you and Fox is going to attack you. And you yeah. And they, and they all remember fired that, me. Remember, <laughs> and that, that, that ethos really started to become part of Republican orthodoxy 
Back in 2021, when you saw people like Marco Rubio and Ted mm-hmm. Cruz writing op-eds in the Wall Street Journal saying, hey, Coca-Cola, we know you're a billion dollars in arrears on your taxes. You don't think we're coming for you? Right. Right. This is the mobization. This is the mafiaization sure. of the Republican Party. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the reason they love Putin is they all want to be him. He's crooked. He's rich. Mm-hmm. He's dictatorial. He doesn't bother with the rule of law. He doesn't bother with critics. He doesn't care. And that is their goal. That's why they've made you know Viktor Orban you know the mascot of the Republican mm-hmm. Party. Um, but I do think you know if. Kevin McCarthy had a brain, not even a soul, but a brain. Soul is too much to ask for, but a brain. He would say, you know, there are only 20 or so of them that are really nuts. If I actually exercise some leadership with the other 80% of my caucus and get some Democratic support, I can actually not only govern, but, you know, get a few conservative things done. But it never crosses his mind because he lives in fear, because he has no Mm -hmm. spine, he has no imagination, and because he lives in living fear that Donald Trump will do something. Him going to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring after January 6th was peak Kevin McCarthy. Uh, uh, Yeah, he absolved absolved Trump of his sins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I, I have told this story pretty frequently. I had a friend who was a member of Congress in 2017. He did, does one of his first town halls, and he had endorsed Trump. He was with, you know, uh, Cruz and before that. But anyway, long story short, he had endorsed Trump. He had never said like a bad word about Trump. But he goes to his first town hall meeting, and a guy, the you know, the classic red hat guy, sends up, "Are you going to support Mr. Trump 100 percent of the time?" And he gave the political answer of the time. He goes, "You know, look, I hope so. We're both conservatives. We both want to do tax cuts and regulatory reform and this and that." And he and the next question, and the guy stands back up. No, I ask you if you were with Mr. Trump 100%. By the time he got off stage 90 minutes later, his phone is blowing up with, with 911s from his wife about the crazy people putting death threats on their Facebook pages and calling their house and all this other crazy right. shit because these people have integrated fear and violence into their political language and discourse. And 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 the problem is, it works. Yeah. You, you want to scare yeah. people? Threaten their kids. Believe right. me, they threatened my kids repeatedly right. from 2015 on. Repeatedly. They right. followed my daughter around her campus when she was in college. They, they, they go all out on these things because they know people have a natural reaction to threats like that. And they go, oh, shit, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm not going to face it. I'm not going to do it. These, and, and these are fascists. This is what fascism is, folks. People is, keep saying, oh, but they're not Nazis. They don't have the uniforms. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter that they don't have the uniforms. It doesn't matter that they haven't committed themselves to genocide. Fascism is the political use of violence yes. to attain complete control and power. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. You know, if you don't like the Hitler analogy, use the Pinochet, use the Gaddafi, use the Berlusconi. Well, they, they, they hate the Hitler analogy. Because, you know, as someone said one time, the only thing that upsets Republicans more than racists is the fact that they're called racist when they're being racist. Yes, I mean, exactly. If you don't right. like the 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 you know brown shirts, red hats through line, um, you know, you're missing the story. 
Right. And 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 I don't I don't there are some people in the Never Trump movement who really believe, oh, we can persuade these people to come back. We no, can get them back. No. We can be friends again. This line from our focus group will magically alter their souls. None of that shit works. Right. These people are are Gone. committed now. They're committed now to a very, very dark and ugly path. And correct. And and just pretending that for sentimental reasons we can go back to the old days and the old ways, I think is a very uh, right. deadly conceit. And so the only way to save America is to beat them, beat them badly, beat them repeatedly. Beat them beat- like a rented mule. Exactly. And I think, you know, once it happens once or twice, um, I think even the never Trumpers will get, and the never Republicans will get the message that you don't negotiate with hostage takers. They mm-hmm. are taking America hostage. The way to deal with them is punch them in the head um, repeatedly, and eventually they'll stop getting back up. You know, as you said, a lot of these people are very or were very irregular voters. Now they right. travel around the country to go to the latest <laughs> Trump rally. Oh right. my God, if you want like a wake up call, you know, watch one of these interviews with one of these lunatics, you know, who, you know, has a oh, Jesus oh. Right, Jesus Christ and, you know, Trump, not in that order. Um, So, you know, I think they may go back under their rock, um, and that would not be the worst thing that happened to American politics. No, look, I I would... I can can live with that. Let me just say, I think think you're absolutely right, Jenny, in that, that, right, the, the zombies go back into the woods, because remember, they didn't like anybody anyway, right? Right. There's a reason why they're clustered in the middle of nowhere, right, like northwestern Idaho. Because they're not really willing participants in society. Then you have, you know, the guys my age, right? Late 40s, early 50s, who are, you know, fans of, you know, Elon Musk and Trump because of all of this sort of transgressive sort of FU mentality. But what we've seen throughout history is, you know, with these kinds of movements is that there's never a succession plan. Yes. Right. So it's not like if Trump exits the stage, it's not like Don Jr. Like he might try it, but that's again, that's just a grift. That's just money. Yeah. But there will be some number of people who were quote unquote normal Republicans when Trump leaves that go, what was I doing? God, that was crazy. You know, they had the sort of Rip Van Winkle moment. We've seen this. Hannah Arendt writes about right. it in her book. Yeah, one this, of her it's, books. this is the good Germans moment. Yes, right. Exactly. And so right. I was inside trying to save America. Yes, but we've kept a list. We know who yeah. they are. We're not going to forget. Um, right. This is the, going to be their defining feature that they enabled a fascist. Um, mm-hmm. But they really do think that they'll just kind of go on. Eventually, Trump will lose or Trump will be convicted, you know, and for people who do nothing but condemn the judicial system, their hero has got to be Jack Smith because with him lays their only hope as they can see that they could be possibly um, rid of him because, you know, maybe Americans aren't quite so insane to vote for someone who's sitting in a jail cell in 2024. Um, so that's their only hope. If, if, um, if look, and I, I, I hate to be such a ray of sunshine on this. And we talk about this a lot inside Lincoln. There's, you know, all these cases against him, even the ones that look airtight, even the ones that look absolutely rock solid. Let me say the Jack Smith case is being held in Fort Pierce, Florida, where the jury pool comes yes, from the community so. that voted that 62 percent of them voted for Donald Trump. And right. MAGAs have become wily and crafty at lying to pollsters. And if you don't think they could lie to a jury, 
or lie to a prosecutor. I can judge this judge this case fairly. It only takes one asshole to blow a case up. Well, uh, it, it, but to give the to give the actual ray of sunshine answer though, Jen, which is. You know, the, the ray we, of sunshine. Oh my gosh, yeah. this is what reads the ray of sunshine. I know, I am the ray of sunshine. Um, <laughs> and as we're as we're recording this, Jen, you know, uh, Trump is sitting in a courtroom in New York on camera. You know, no, not still- on camera. He's in state court, so he is sitting there in anonymity. Just the the court. You know, no, um, no, no, no. The, no, in state court, you can't. There are still photographers. There were video, oh, yeah, and then right. the and then the judge threw them out. Yes. but he's sitting there at the witness table. Yeah. Right. Before he went into the courtroom, he went on this rant. I believe that we should expect a lot of that yes. because, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to go into this. And and I would say this is that, no, I do not believe that a conviction, should he be convicted in any of these places, prevent him from being on the ballot. Even if he is, I you know, he's, you know, there will be appeals and, you know, the, the whole incarceration thing is down the road. But what I will say is this, is that, and I know. I'm I'm taking a leap here is his level of insanity will go even further. Like it will be a quasar, right? Oh, it will be yeah. a supernova oh, yeah. of insanity yeah. because, I, because, it, because I was talking to a for a guy uh, last week who used to work in a U.S. attorney's office and he did Rico cases. And he, this is why it's so great to talk to people who know more than you do yeah. is he said, look, I've sat at the prosecution table when these mobsters are sitting there and all these people who they made rich, they gave these, you know, lives to everything else are now on the witness stand looking at them going, yep, it was him. He did it. He told me to do it. He was the guy from the get go. And Trump, remember it to, to go back to something Rick said in, in these kinds of movements, betrayal is the ultimate sin, Correct, right? Mm-hmm. Like Rick and I, we're, we're apostates. We've been opponents forever. Yeah. They'll get to us. But the betrayers are the ones who are at the top of the list. And he will look at those people. He will do everything he can not to scream at them. And so what I think is the insanity that's going to happen over the course of the next seven or eight or nine months as these things actually come to be adjudicated is going to be insane. And Trump is going to be leading oh, yeah. it with, oh, you know, his, and, with his and, hair on fire. And even more than the criminal charges – when his name has to come off of buildings in New York, <laughs> oh, oh my God, oh. we are going to And this is why it. I love the fact that his lawyers have already started to screw up the case. They didn't yeah. ask for a jury trial. I know. Which he oh had God, a possibility of like a, a jury saving him going, eh, maybe they, I don't understand. But, but now a judge who is a, clearly a sophisticated individual is looking who at Who Trump keeps going, attacking. Who's, right. who's like, this skell is not getting away with this. Yes. And, and so, so I, I promise you, the day they have to sell Trump Tower, I will be there in front of Trump Tower all day long. I will get a, I will get a taco truck, and we will celebrate in front of truck, yep. Trump Tower that entire day. A taco truck would be absolutely perfect. Um, unfortunately, guys, we have blasted through our time here because we've been having so much fun and cackling away. Um, but, we do that. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, on a more serious note... Um, I want to thank you guys both. Not only are you incredibly entertaining, um, <laughs> but you're doing the Lord's work here. You are uh, exposing a madman, and you are not pulling punches with the fact that tens of millions of, Ameri- of Americans are crackers. Um, they have gone down the rabbit hole, and um, oh, yeah. we shouldn't make any bones about it. Um, we don't have to say nice things just because they're other Americans. There can be bad people. The bad people are sitting there laughing when he attacks Paul 
Pelosi. The bad mm -hmm. people are laughing when he attacks blacks and Jews and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys both. Um, you're two of my favorite human beings. Oh, um, well, thank and, you, Jennifer. Um, we hope to have you back. Um, maybe we'll have you back on like conviction day. That's going to be festive. <laughs> Listen, right? we'll be there. So, exactly. We'll be there literally with bells on. So I'm calling. You, I'm, I'm going to call and work on the taco truck after we get off the air. There you go. <laughs> thank you, Rick Wilson. Thank you, Reed Gallen. You thank bet. You. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. And that was Reed Gallen and Rick Wilson. They did not uh, disappoint, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my gosh. Um, I always leave conversations with them with my sides um, hurting just a little bit from laughing. But they absolutely speak truth. And the problem here is not just Donald Trump. The problem is not even just Kevin McCarthy and the lunatics in the House. The problem is we have tens of millions of people, as they so eloquently put it, who have been living under the power lines and who have lost it. And these people have made resentment and anger their calling card. They have been given an identity, a sense of belonging by this fascist movement. And there's no separating them from their guy. So the notion that we just have to sit down and talk to them, they don't feel respected, they don't feel loved, um, that's a bunch of Tommy rot. Um, these people are out to reassert a brand of white Christian nationalism, and Trump is their champion. They are willing to burn down the country. In fact, they're delighted to burn down the country to get what they want, and they prefer the country be burned down and everyone be as miserable as they are. But of course, we can't allow that to happen. And by we, I mean the rest of the country, the sane part of the country, the decent part of the country, the pro-democracy part of the country. And actually, we're an overwhelming majority. We just have to show up to vote. We have to stop with the nonsense that Joe Biden is too old and wears tennis shoes. We have to stop with the nonsense that Hunter Biden is somehow a problem. We have to stop with the nonsense that, you know, the polls don't show him very doing very well in the election. All of that stuff has to go by the wayside. And the effort here, folks, has to be directed at two things. One, giving Joe Biden his due, because he has been a good, solid president, one of the better ones in my lifetime, I might say, and in revealing the true threat that Trump poses to the country. The mainstream media won't do it. They're into the both sides game. They're into the moral equivalence, as our guests said. They're into the keep the ratings up game. But that doesn't apply to the rest of us. The rest of us need to spread the word and make clear you all have a platform. It might be a smaller platform than some others, but you have social media, you have friends, you have lots of people who listen to you. And you gotta spread the word. This guy is crackers, he's a threat. He's a fascist. And if you keep that in mind, perhaps we can get our way, make our way through this next election. If you like the program and you are interested in coming back week after week, we're thrilled to have you. And we ask that you tell your friends. They can listen and then they can follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever they get their podcasts. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.